everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. My name is Jesse Jones, and on the show today, we have Mr. Matt Raywalt, baby. That's right, Mr. Wrestling with Whiskey himself, the drama king from TNA, Mr. Aiden English from his time in the WWE. He sits down with us. We drink some whiskey. We talk some wrestling. We have a damn good time. It was great talking with Matt. It, it just the parallels between whiskey and wrestling and comedy. It was a fantastic conversation, and we appreciate Matt for giving us a little bit of his time this week to sit down, drink some good whiskey, and talk some wrestling with us. He's an interesting cat, man. I mean, the way his brain works, you can just tell he has a mind for the business. He's been in it now for a minute, and he has just been rocking and rolling since he got to developmental all those years ago. It really is a fantastic interview, a great conversation, and something I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And you know what else you're really going to enjoy? Our sponsors. You like that? You like that seamless transition there? Our sponsors for this week's episode at Engrave.com. That's E-N-G-R-V-D.com. Customized experiences and gifts from personalized one-of-a-kind gifts to unique customized corporate promotional items. Engraved has what you need. I met the guys from Engraved when I was needing some new Glen Cairn glasses with the Bourbon Showdown logo on them. And wow, if they didn't just create for me some of the best Glens I've ever had. And guess what? Just for being a listener of the Bourbon Showdown, they are going to give you 10% off your next order. What was that 10% off your next order. Anything you want, 10% off. Can't say it enough. Just use the promo code Jesse Jones or Bourbon Showdown at checkout and get 10% off your order. It's that easy. And you know what else? It's free shipping all day, every day. So you go to engrave.com for all your custom engraving needs. You'll be happy that you did. So without further ado, Let's get this show started, shall we? It's a fantastic episode this week on the Bourbon Showdown podcast. Mr. Matt Raywalt is on the show. You guys are going to love it. Uh, if you like wrestling, if you like whiskey, hell, even if you don't like either of those things, this is still an enjoyable damn conversation. But honestly, if you don't like whiskey, I doubt you're here. And if you do like whiskey, you probably love wrestling. So we are all in this week with uh, the wrestling puns, apparently. And Mr. Matt Raywalt, Mr. Drama King himself from TNA, Mr. Ray wrestling with whiskey. Let's get this show started, shall we? My name's Jesse Jones. This is the Bourbon Showdown. Let's start the show. And with us today, everybody, we have the man himself. We have the drama king. We have Mr. Aiden English. We've got wrestling with whiskey, Matt Raywalt. How are you, sir? Oh, baby. I, it, it's so nice to hear them all in a row and out loud. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great. No, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. There are so many things that like are overlapping here that I would be remiss to not have you on and drink some whiskey with you. Ooh, I, I well, you know what? It, as long as it involves whiskey, let's let's overlap everything. I love let's it. Make it happen. 
I am, of course, I'm sipping on, uh, we have a mutual friend. I'm sipping on some of Mr. Uh, Christopher Hart's delicious, prideful goat. That's right. And I, and I got, he's got the rye. I got the bourbon. So there we're covering we go. Boom. the full territory Boom. there. Powers activate. Damn right. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. What an interesting career you're having, man. I mean, you've, you've literally got your toe in everything. Well, it seems like it feels like it. Some, some weeks it, I forget what I'm doing each day. There's just so many things going on. But but don't you find that those are the most fulfilling days? Like I've been on the road. Oh yeah, nonstop for the past two weeks. Just uh, comedy shows, whiskey tastings. Believe it or not, wrestling. I I did my first, my second color commentary for a wrestling show last Saturday. Okay, hell yeah. And and there's just a there's a grind to it. And I think the reason comedians identify with wrestlers, it it goes hand in hand with why we identify with bourbon uh, uh, distilling is it's like, there's such an art form to it. It's very misunderstood in terms of the public's knowledge of what goes into making it great. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted, but you feel alive. That's a hundred percent true. I've always, you know, I've never thought of it that way. I've always, the the comedy wrestling connection, I think is, that's been there for a long time. Uh, and I've totally get that, that, that grind, that road, that road life mentality kind of thing. But those parallels, even with whiskey, you bring up a very good point. It's true. Well, the consumer just assumes so much and a lot oh of what they assume is not accurate. And then they take their assumption and they almost, um, they almost uh, aggressively come after you with what they think is true is true. I mean, people can mark out in comedy the same way they can in wrestling and in whiskey. You know what I mean? I've done it myself. I think when I met, uh, who did I mark out over? Um, I had Michters on. I had Michters on the show and I'm a huge fan of Andrea Wilson and, and Dan and everybody over there. They just do so many, anybody that does like top level shit and, and, and won't, won't accept anything less than perfection. I kind of geek out over. Uh, so I mean, it happens, it happens everywhere. And, uh, uh, my, my son a little bit, he's been singing Rusev day since I told him that we were talking, he's just been walking around the house going, it's Rusev day. (laughs) That's that's better than me. So, uh, you're, you're earning me street cred over here. I do what I can. But there's so much to unpack uh, right off the start. What did you start out doing? Like, what was your, I'm a kid. I want to do something with the rest of my life. What was your passion? Did you know it was wrestling? I mean, I knew what was wrestling probably from about, I would say like 13, 14 years old. Okay. Was probably when, when that kicked in. So I didn't get to watch, like a lot of kids my age were watching it in, Way, way back when, like, since they were sitting on grandpa's knee sort of thing, they watch old territory stuff sometimes, old the WCW stuff. I didn't get anything until 99 was the first TV wrestling I got to see because we didn't have cable TV. So I didn't, I didn't see the USA Network, Turner stuff. I didn't see any of that until uh, 99. Where were you growing so up? Then it was Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Okay. Suburbs. Yeah. Suburbs of Chicago. So then in 99, I believe WWF SmackDown came on the air. So I started watching that. And then the year after we finally got cable TV and then that was started watching raw every week and SmackDown every week. And even the little bits of like TNA and stuff at the time I could, now that we had the cable, cable access and everything like that. So 
after that, it was just a rabbit hole. What a great time to find it, though. I mean, the 98, 99, 2000, that was like the hotbed of that last, like of, of the second coming of wrestling. Oh, yeah. That, it was, it was con- right in the middle end of that kind of attitude era sort of thing and moving into kind of, which I, it's that to me, like that 99, 2000 was actually like my favorite part. I think they were kind of, the matches were getting better. Right. Because there was a lot of really great stuff in that 97, 98, all that attitude came out and you had all those characters, you had characters like the Undertaker and Ministry of Darkness and oh. Kane, the Godfather, New Age Outlaws, DX. So a lot of that, was, so all that attitude, all that was very, very cool. The reality based. Yeah. I mean, and also just beyond reality. Yeah. But I always tell people, I'm like, the funny thing is, I'm like, you go, I'm like, go watch a, mon- a random Monday Night Raw from like the middle of 98. The wrestling, like, it's not the high, it's, just, it's wild shit sometimes. Like, yes. they just like, it's like ding, 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 and somebody jump, they powerbomb, and they throw each other to the outside, and it's just like, it, it goes apeshit. And so it's, it's, it's like bad, badass in that, in that kind of ECW way. That shock value badass. Yeah. But then like, yeah, like some of the actual, like, like an actual, an average Monday night raw match outside of like maybe the main event where like Taker and Austin are involved. It's not the greatest wrestling. And then I feel, I just feel like 99, 2000, 2001, they got the guys like they got Eddie, they got Jericho, they got Benoit. All these oh, guys yeah. and that tag teams were on fire with that oh, Christian goodness. and hard. So like, I feel like wrestling match quality got way better in, in those latter kind of chunks of that attitude era. I completely agree. And the, I'll, I'll raise you a, go watch a W uh, go watch a Monday night raw, go watch WCW Monday nitro towards the end of that run. There was no wrestling. It was like oh, no. storyline, 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 two seconds of in-ring work, uh, cut to a commercial. Then here's your lead in to Robin Hood, the series guest starring the giant, y- 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 you know? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. It- it's interesting that you say that because I-, I-, I don't think that that level, that that area you're talking about, because you're right, those five-star matches didn't start occurring until... Uh, uh, Guerrero and Benoit and Malenko and all of those guys came over and that attitude era influence allowed the younger guys to kind of blossom a little bit because you wouldn't have had edge without that era and you wouldn't have had the Dudley boy or you would have, but they might not have been showcased as properly as they were without that lead in of the attitude guys. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it brought over, and there, and there was a lot of, there's a lot of political stuff going on with, I mean, there was the, during that time, there was, not, people always forget about, there was the big buyout of WCW that happened. Mm-hmm. But in that same time was the ECW buyout, which was also huge. Right, right. Like, it, especially at that time, and it was a lot of waves. But yeah, there was, that's just, I, there was like this weird dip, because I remember in the middle 90s of them, some of the wrestling was really good when Sean was really hot, like Sean and Brett and Austin, oh. like 95, 96. It was really good. Ratings were down, right? But the matches were, I think, were really good. There was some heart foundation stuff too before that. And I think there was some really good stuff. But then it became all the theatrics when they decided to just turn up the gas and the attitude. Or, and like I said, matches kind of suffered a little bit. Again, outside of the main event, but then I think it, they found that nice groove of having kind of both right into that like 2000, 2001, 2002 kind of era. 
Well, when Vince recognizes something like it, like he fought the attitude era, or it seemed like he fought the attitude era from uh, like a casual watcher's standpoint, like WCW kind of forced him to pivot from the tugboats and the Duke, the dumpster grossies. And, and, but once he realized that there was that much money to be made, I mean, he pivoted like a freaking genius. Oh yeah. And, and once he was in it, he was in it with both feet and everybody and their brother got to have a reality based version of the same gimmick he had given them when they were appealing to children. Like, like, okay, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be the androgynous one. Go, go, go fight Roddy Piper in a parking lot. Like, like everybody got the same brush just with an adult stroke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's a stubborn, he's a stubborn some bitch. I will give you that. <laughs> but like, but when he does embrace an idea, he goes all in. That's for sure. Hey, hey, that's that's why he is the freaking billionaire. Damn so right. you discover it late. That's that's interesting to me because like it could have really gone either way. You could have discovered it and been like too old for it almost. You know, mm-hmm. like it like it could have hit the other way where you were just like, oh okay, that's what I've been missing, huh? And went off and done something else. But it, it hit you, and you were like, oh my god, where what 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 where's this been my whole life? Yeah, more or less, because I would always hear at school, all the kids would, on Tuesday morning, would talk about what Stone Cold did, what The Undertaker did on Raw the night before. I was like, what the? I was like, here I am, like this 11-year-old kid, and I'm like, what are are these guys talking about? And like, my brothers had watched, again, we didn't have cable, but my dad worked in Rosemont, so we had some friends who would occasionally get him tickets to the the former Rosemont Horizon, now the Allstate Arena. so he took my brothers to see like some early nineties tugboat, like, you know, 99, 1992 uh, wrestling at the Rosemont. I never went along on though. And so then my brothers, like a lot of kids, they were the one, they totally grew out of it. So like it was in our house, but then it faded. And then I kind of caught back into it when everybody at school was talking about it and everything. And then, yeah, whether it was for whatever reason, when I finally did kind of get my claws on it, it was it wasn't a fad like it was for many of my peers. It just it got its hooks in me and right. never let go. That's freaking great, man. So so then what do you do? Like when you are looking to get started, because you hear horror stories of people getting taken advantage of by like, yeah, I'll teach you. Yeah, I have uh, an inside track to getting uh, getting signed. Like like how do you navigate? And Chicago's such a freaking hotbed of 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 wrestling just purism like 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 uh whenever you're doing something the crowd doesn't like you can't fake that in chicago they will let you know oh yeah yeah it doesn't matter how you yeah it doesn't matter how you're written on that show mm-hmm. if you're the good guy or the bad guy they will decide for you that at least for that night for if, that if, night you know. perception is a thousand percent reality mm-hmm. absolutely but no for me it was just um it is a tough thing to navigate. Actually, at the time, there wasn't much in Chicago in terms of training. There's, it's quite a bit better now. There's a couple of really nice independent promotions out of Chicago now. But at the time, there really weren't many, especially that offered training. Right. And it's funny, like I, there were one or two who kind of gave me the, the, the speech. She would, not, not to get signed, but they're like, hey. Whenever they come to WWE comes to town, they use me and, and my guys 
for the, you know, for the extra positions, for the enhancement talent and everything like that. I can, I can kind of offer that, which is nice. Cause I mean, opportunity to be seen, but that's doesn't mean you're a good teacher. It just means you, you know, somebody who's going to book free talent basically. Right. Um, so I did a lot of research and, um, my, my, my advice to people who want to get started all the time is look, you don't have to be taught by Stone Cold Austin. You know what I mean? Right. Chance, these guys who've made millions and millions of dollars probably are too busy and doing other things that they're probably not running wrestling schools on their own. Some of them are almost a detriment. They're just putting their name on it. Yeah. So, but, but I do say this, I'm like, whoever trains you either should be currently or has made a significant part of their living doing right. this career. Like right. there's a lot, there's a lot of weekend Joes and it, look, if it's kind of that thing, if it's a hobby for you, that's great. But there's a lot of people who just, they wrestle once a month in the same small town. They've, they've always been in, in the same front of the same crowd. And they're going to say, give me a thousand dollars to teach you how to wrestle. And it's like, oh, Jesus, man, it's just such a small, you're going to get such a small window from that. If you, if you train with somebody, I don't care if they're not famous, but if they've been able to make their living right for at least for a couple of years, it means, Hey, it means they've traveled. It means they've gotten booked at multiple places. It means they've been around. And right. so it means they have at least a wide variety of things to teach you. The parallels between wrestling and comedy go all the way back to the beginning. Jesus Christ. I, I remember so many people like, uh, Hey, Hey, I can get you in here. And then you go oh, and you I look and, and they're not in there. It's like, I can get you, I can get you an audition for the tonight show. And you're like, you're barking in Times square. Like, like you're not able to do shit except yeah. <laughs> parasite off of me. Like it, it, you find a lot of parasitic factors in those early years where it's like, they're, they're like, um, they're not a big shark. They're like that little sand shark that just sort of grazes the bottom and picks off oh, yeah. shit as it pokes its head out. Absolutely. Uh, I had an old, I had a road dog tell me one time, if you've never heard of them, don't pay them to teach you. And, and, and that went a long way with me because there's a lot of folks that would be like, uh, uh, you, you picture almost like uh, some shady dude in an alley and in, in a trench coat, like, come with me, kid, come with me. I'll teach you dick jokes. It's going to be funny. You're going to be a star. <laughs> and, and then you realize, oh, shit. All he did was train me to do a bringer where I have to bring 10 of my friends mm -hmm. to come watch me. They would have done that without his training or charging them $25 a head. Like, like, oh yeah, you've got to at some point follow your brain. But at the, at the same time, when you're that young and new, you don't know, you don't, you don't have a brain. You have no instincts to rely on. No brain, no patience. Like uh -huh. you're like, yeah, I'm gonna do. Oh, they've said it. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, because you've only heard the good stuff. You've only heard the guy that got started six months ago. Like, like, um, I I was in a an open mic room with Michael Shea. Like, like, right, like, like he was at the open mic one day, and then never again. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and those are the people that you, you, that's all, you know, it's like yeah. it happened for that guy, but you don't know how much time Shay had put in before that point. You don't see that. Like your, your brain only wants to see the part where, Oh, six months. And he's a, he's a superstar. Uh, uh, so you kind of yeah. limit yourself in terms of what your, uh, what your vision allows you to see. That was one of the best lessons I learned. Um, 
I want to say early on, I wish I probably would have learned it even earlier. Um, just through learning and William Regal, but the great William Regal pointed it out very, very well. And was like to that same exact point. And this, this goes for any, I think form of entertainment, anything like that. You can't compare yourself to like, especially in entertainment because it's so fickle. Right. And it's, you never know what's going to pop off or who's going to strike someone. So it's to compare yourself to these people who blow up, they say with wrestling and anything and be like, well, well, wait, like I'm more talented than that guy. Like what I might, I think my, my friends think my stuff is funnier or right, my, right. Think, my buddies think my wrestling's better than, than this guy. And he got signed here. It's like maybe, but man, like you can't account for luck, timing, connections, all these things. So like if you sit there comparing yourself solely because like, I'm, I think I should be this, you are going to be miserable. And you're working against yourself hundred percent. All of that time you just spent putting your energy into that guy getting something you didn't. You could have been doing a show that night. You could be writing. You could be training. You could be doing something to progress yourself. Um, uh, I had an improv teacher one time. He was like, don't worry about what he's doing. Worry about what you're doing. And you should be doing two th- at least two things a day to move yourself forward. They don't have to be gigantic moves, mm-hmm. but you should never be sitting still. Steps. It, yes. If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. Write one joke a day. Make one connection a day. Write two jokes a day. Do, some, do something so that two times you're moving forward or else what's the fucking point? 110%. 110%. That's your energy is far better spent that way. And so now you're, you're in Chicago. You have found, who did you find to train you? So I ended up actually, what I ended up doing was there was, like I said, there wasn't anything really good in Chicago at the time. And so this was back when, before it was NXT, it was FCW. Right. Down in Tampa. And so I like, I followed their developmental website. This was like, again, Dark ages before NXT and developmental was like even known. It's like only a couple of people knew like really what the hell it was. And so I was like, okay. And I noticed on their website that they offered like a beginner's class. So like this, you know, Steve Kern, who ran the promotion at the time, just like on at night would teach a beginner's class. And I was like, you know what? Perfect. I, I know it's crazy, whatever, but I'm like, let me save up a little bit of money. I'll go, I'll rent a, a little room in a, I ended up getting a room off Craigslist. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I'll, if I'm going to learn something, I'm like, my goal is WWE, right? right. So as well, learn from the people who are training the WWE guys who are percent. running their developmental. So I'm like, I can learn their habits, learn their tag, what they're looking for. I mean, I had no, no, um, I don't know what the word, uh, like imagination that like I would be signed out of this thing at all. Like it was right. just like, I'm going to, I'm going to get the skills that they're looking for. Right. So hopefully maybe in a year or two or three down the line, I can get a, I can get a chance. It's like, if you wanted to learn how to distill, go to heaven Hill and let them teach you. Yeah. Like don't, absolutely. Don't, don't go to somebody that's like uh, running the indie scene, go to somebody that's in the big leagues already. If, if you can, if yeah, you yeah, can, right. yeah, absolutely. If the opportunity is, is available. And so that's, that's exactly what I did. And, uh, I ended up taking that class, which wasn't taught by Steve Kern, uh, but it was actually taught by Norman Smiley, who's oh. 
amazing Good as Lord. not only a performer, as a person, as a coach, as just as just a someone to talk to and everything like that. And so that was like a totally really like looking back, I was like, oh yeah, I was trained by Norman for like a while. And then like the more and more like I worked with him and the more and more I just I got to know him and everything. I now I just look back on that time so fondly because I'm like, holy crap, like what a great education. What a great person to learn from. Have never heard anyone say uh, Norman Smiley's uh, right up there with William Regal and that I've never heard anybody say a bad word about the guy. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And just like knows his stuff and is it, it's, it's even more sometimes. And I think a lot of us know this from, from training and education and all kinds of things. It's not always what, you know, right. it, it's hot. And you know, the smartest person in the world can be a terrible teacher. Right. 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 So, I mean, Norman happens to be one of the great technical wizards of the ring, luckily, too. But he, his way of teaching, he's very kind. He's very patient. He explains things very well. He's very personable. So, uh, yeah, I was really, really. What you need starting out. Yes, very, very much so. So, so. so when you get started, how eye opening was it for you? Just the like like my brother in law. He was trained by um, Nikita Koloff uh, uh, for one day. And, and one day he did like a thousand backdrops and, and like a thousand uh, 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 arm, uh, a thousand. He just, he went through a list of like oh, yeah. regular tear your body up things. And, and that was it. The second day he didn't go back. He's like, I could not move the second day. So I, I learned quick. This is this this I, I this wasn't for me. Like like, what was your uh, uh, initiation into uh, the machine like? So I will say, luckily, I didn't really face any things like that. That's that's almost like dojo style training. Right. They do that's the infamous thing, New Japan dojo. You start off with hundred push ups, five hundred squats, and then all the young boys go and take hundred backdrops in a row. Yeah, and you just yeah. say, and then you get up, and now you continue training. You're doing other things. We didn't do any kind of like purposeful like beat you down, but I mean, and they we learned we went right into taking flat back bumps and get taking shoulder tackles and hip tosses and very just basic like bumps because that was the thing. Like if you can't do this part, you're right. not going to be able to do all the other. I don't care how cool your super kick looks. Right, if you right. can't take if you can't take a, sh- a shoulder tackle or, or an arm drag, you're, you're done. Um, does it ever blow your mind how everybody and their brother does the super kick now? Like the super yeah. kick was one of those, like, like you almost didn't know if, 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 if Michaels could get the super kick over when he started doing that. And and now there's double super kicks and triple super kicks and oh, super, the super, super kick kicks. parties. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think the best compliment it's, it's the, it is, it, it's, it's, it's this back and forth argument, but you know, the old timers, and I'm like, I'm becoming one of those old timers a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so but I also, I, do, I just think it, <laughs> it's like the natural progression of anything, and especially wrestling. Um, one, I'll say this anything can be a finish if you get it over. Mm. I don't care. You could do a headlock takeover and it'd be a finish. And if you, if it's booked well and booked right, like people will believe it after a while. And you just, you make it count. And you win with it. Book the drama. Yep. People, people's elbow. Yeah. It was a rib. 
It was the dumbest thing ever. Watching people oversell the people's elbow is one of the funnest things. Like, like you see people pop up off the mat and bounce like a fish out of the ring. It, it, it's just, it's so, it, but, but that's also the, the, the charm of it, isn't it? Of, of something yeah. like that. And so the, to your point, the funny thing is, uh, I would say the super kick before the super kick, the way the super kick is now, where it's like everybody kind of does one. It's just kind of transitory. Um, rarely do you see it as some form of a finish. That just before that, I would make the same argument was the DDT. Oh, Jake the Snake, that was a finish. It was over. You killed the guy. In, in 1994, oh my the guy God. was dead because you drove his head into the mat and he's dead. Like his neck is probably broken. And then by the end of the decade, it's duck one, hit the DDT, kick out. Here we go. Throw him against the ropes, backdrop him, all this stuff. And you're like, okay, it's just kind of a Double another move. DDT, uh, second rope DDT. Lift him up DDT. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. You're absolutely correct. When, when, because uh, 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 Jake Roberts had that patience with his delivery. And when he nailed that DDT, you literally thought the guy's neck was broken. Like he handled it with such freaking fluency. And then he would, and he would, and wouldn't do it the same way every time. Like you didn't give somebody a DDT on the concrete every week. You use yeah. that like salt. You use that like pepper. If he got a DDT off of the uh, uh, out of the ring, he should be off TV for a couple weeks. Like they would, they would work it. Like he just killed that guy. Hundred percent. And that's a little bit of the something I do. Things like that I do wish would come back a little bit. I know we've grown into this like immediacy. It's high. I yeah, it's higher paced, and I get the yeah, we, we like a little bit more high flying, a little bit more wild action and stuff like that, but. There are some times when I'm like, less is more. If yeah, if somebody's getting hit with a chair, it should be one, you know, once in a while. Yeah. Or it should it should mean, oh shit, this is turned up. It shouldn't just be we cut a you know, we cut a promo and he said some bad words about me this week. And then bam, yeah, bam, yeah. bam. It's like how do, we went from zero to 60 in two seconds flat. So I, I think there's a little bit of that that is missing from wrestling, uh, modern wrestling these days. I get the attention span thing, but still, I, I think I do miss a little bit more of a making things mean more and slower builds. That's, that is probably my biggest thing for modern wrestling. I, I think Jericho is still doing that super well in, in that like his feuds have been lasting and he's all, he's got a history of, of really good, really long form feuds uh, but like this current stuff, like he he fought MJF for months and months and months. And before that, he fought the other guy for months and months and months. And by the time it ended, everybody was ingrained in the feud. It, it wasn't just uh, uh, set it up on Sunday, delivered it on Wednesday, was on to the next guy by Friday. Like it, there was meat to it. You could actually care about it. I, 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 I 100% agree. And Chris is always really good with that stuff. And to be fair, so that, and that and that's where my like back and forth with AEW goes right now. Like they do things like that so well. They did uh, what, Jericho and MJF, which kind of led to what was the, the formation of the pinnacle yeah. and uh, the inner circle. And that stuff 
that was like six, seven months of all build. And then they had their own feud thing. It was great. And they do a lot of things like that. It made everybody look better. Yes. 100%. Um, And even, even like his thing now with um, the sports entertainers or uh, whatever he's doing now, he's, he's always doing something new and it's, it's a nice surprise and a slow build and all these things. The flip side of the coin though, is like, and they, don't get me wrong, the matches are, but like, I, I think I just saw Adam Page defended his title in like a Texas death match or something like that for like the third time in like the past like right. two or three months. Like, at least it feels like in the past couple of months, I should not see three or four like no holes barred, no barbed wire matches or like death ma- in, the, in the span of six months. That should be like a once a year kind of thing. Complete. That's completely. So it's like it's crazy because I'm like they they do something so well and like time out and like make you work for it and earn it. And then other times I'm like, oh, we're just okay. We're just throwing this like at the wall barbed wire match on on Wednesday night TV. Okay, okay. On Wednesday night TV. Yeah. Like like you can do that. Like you said, once a year you can throw out a, a you can have pay per view quality matches every week. Nothing wrong with that. But you can right, throw out right. those heightened. Uh, 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 I don't, I don't want to call them gimmick matches, but they're gimmick matches. That's a, that's stipulation, a stipulation, higher stakes matches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if Adam Cole is being given his due right now because I, I, I think the payoff will, will help. I think he'll get his due in the payoff because they don't want to make, uh, 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 cow, the cow, ah, space. Adam Page. That's gonna, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's going to bite me in the ass later. You think <laughs> I, I get every kind of heat. I get people that don't think I'm saying the right thing about whiskey heat. I get people that don't think I'm saying the right thing about comedy heat. And now let's add to it that I forgot the freaking champion of AEW's name. <laughs> it's all right. You no heat from me. Uh, but I'm sure it'll pay off in the end. But he was red hot. Everybody knew that the Daniel Bryan, uh, uh, Brian Danielson uh, come over was happening. And then when he hit that pay-per-view by surprise, he was electric. And, and now time has passed and Cowboy chasing the title to me at this point would mean more than pages heel constantly getting beat. But again, that's, that's backseat booking. I don't, I, that, sure. that's me not knowing more than I've been told. Uh, no, but, 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 fair, but totally, but fair play hundred percent. So once you got in it, like how long before you were uh, in the school and in the trenches before you were earning a living as a wrestler? So I, this is where we, we talked about it before. Don't compare yourself. Luck, timing, connections. Right. A little bit. Right. Now those are all, here's, here's where it all kind of comes together. You, those are three things you can't, with except connections, you can have a little bit of an influence over. Cause I mean, like just who you, who you talk to, who you decide to reach out to put yourself out there. But yeah, but you know, to luck and timing only so much. Now that said, this it's the old adage or whatever hard work meets those. If you, if you get all three, if you get, you meet the right person at the right time and they're the lucky strike, but you haven't prepped at all. Like you're not prepared to do that. It'll, right. it'll crumble real quick. So it, it's that hard work and then when it meets that opportunity, hard work meets opportunity, right? That's the old, that's it. exactly. So 
in my training there with the FCW and the night class thing, I had a really good relationship with Norman. Uh, went over really well with him. I to toot my own horn, like I picked it up pretty quickly. That's what I'll say. Like that, all the bump. I loved all the bumps. I loved all that stuff. It was like it didn't scare me away. It wasn't like it, I was sore. The right. first time I ran the ropes. We had to run them back and forth, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, switch inside. I had the whole welts all up and down just from hitting the ropes because your your skin, your body's not used to that. Which and, is another uh, thing people don't understand. Like, like people don't realize that the thing they see, like that, that's like a regular occurrence in any match is that you're going to run the ropes. Nobody mm-hmm. understands that that hurts. Like they're hitting you with three pieces of freaking metal. Of, of steel, yeah, steel cable. Like, yeah. and again, yeah, it's the most frivolous thing. Part, like, part of what we do because you're so boing cable, and so everyone just thinks like, yeah, it's like a fun house, like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. After once we're used to it, it is. I could hit those things all day long now, and uh, but I've built up a body callus, <laughs> both my both like my again my skin and just my body's got used to hitting them, and uh, but at first it was it was little like black and blue like welts and blood blisters that didn't luckily didn't hurt too much but yeah don't get me wrong they marked me up pretty good especially being the pacey irishman uh that i am so (laughs) what did your parents think when when they would talk to you or they would see you at a a holiday and they'd be like so how how's wrestling going and you'd be like i'm good where'd the black eye come from they being mean to you down there in florida because apparently your parents are Lois Griffin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, wow, we, we we came from Boston or Rhode Island really quick uh, out of Chicago. But um, no, so like it was like kind of funny because it happened very, all happened very quickly. So I went to Florida to train for three, it was three months between January and April uh, of 2011. Then I came home. I wrestled some indies. I got a job. I was like doing personal training and stuff like that and did a couple shows. Like, I think my parents came to one show because they're whole, they were very supportive. And I got, I got love my parents. Um, their whole deal was you, if you love it, go after it. That's fine. Right. We support you there. The one thing was just go to college. We don't care what for, I don't care what the degrees in just have secondary education of some type. So at least you can fall back. Something to be ready. Yep. And even I went to school for acting, which is not a great fallback, but they were like, you know what? It's a liberal arts degree at the worst case, just, just something. So you don't just have the high school education. You can be like, Hey, I went to a four, I went to four years of school, somebody. And I, I can, at least I can kind of, I have that level of education. Well, and the acting comes into play later in life. It, 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 you, you were able to pull from those people that you met in that school to create characters. Well, that, and that was the sole reason I did it. Um, I, cause I'm like, well, if I want to be a wrestler, that's my acting can only help me with TV presence and live audience presence and stuff like that. And, and performing that, that goes, I think that's true still. Like, like I think everybody on any roster could use upright citizens brigade training. Oh my God. I, I was just about improv, dude, improv training. It's the best. I, it's, it's the best. It still intimidates me. Like I got, I, I've been everywhere. I've, I play improv physically in the ring, throwing 200 pound guys around, but a good, a good old like improv sketch and stuff like that. It still intimidates me, but it's such good training. Yes. It it's really gets gymnastics. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that crowd doesn't care who you are. 
if you don't hit within the time they're expecting you, uh, uh, I can't remember who said it, but they're a thousand percent right. Brad Pitt could go on stage tomorrow and he has a five minute grace period of being Brad Pitt. And then he better bring the freaking yep. thunder. <laughs> I paid it's seven dollars so to be here, Chuckles. I want some fucking funny time. <laughs> Two drink minimum, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's it's totally true. So yeah, I would tell any wrestler out there, like, I'm not you don't have to go get a four-year acting degree, but I'm like, if you can go take an improv class somewhere, yeah, it, it will save, it will help you so much. Oh my god. Improv is one of those things that I have found there is the cynicism of stand-up is not in improv. There is an art purity to improv where I've been trained by some people that I've never heard of and I'm never going to hear of. And they're fine with that. And that's the difference between stand-up and improv other than I enjoy the immediacy of stand-up. I say a joke, you laugh, we move on. Where improv, they try to build like an hour long arc. They take you on it. I don't have, I, there, there's a patience to that that's just not in my system. I identified that after years with the Upright Citizens Brigade. But to what people are doing in the ring, even in like, if, even in your like daily job, let's say you're a banker, you know what you still need to be able to do? Talk to other human beings yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in a way that doesn't sound forced. Yeah, in an engaging fashion. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild, it's, it's, I think it's sort of like a hidden gem of most, uh, most little networks of people. Just go take an improv class. It'll really help you out in whatever you're trying to do. I've not been paid by any improv people. I am not getting a kickback from the upright citizen. From the UCB. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you took to it quickly. You took to it uh, right off the bat and, and then you're working the indies so when does the WWE boomerang? When does the right place, right time hit? So yeah, it, uh, again, calling back to that, it was, so I came home, I did some training again, relationship with Norman, did some indies here in Chicago. And literally, what was it? I came home in April. I got a message in late September from Norman being like, hey, talent relations just, asked me if I knew anybody who might be a good candidate for developmental for like for, for an opportunity. And he's like, I gave them your name. And I remember, I remember him very He goes, this is not like a guarantee. He goes, this doesn't mean anything. He goes, I don't know if they're even going to call you. If they're even going to take a second look at the names I gave them. He goes, I just thought I'd let you know um, that, you know, somebody might reach out to you. Oh, and I was, I was just like, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. And then sure enough, no, that was October. Because I remember Norman called me on my birthday, which is October 7th. That's beautiful. So, and then, because then I think he sent me, he sent me, <laughs> he sent me like a follow-up email or something, or like a text message or something that was like, I just realized it was your birthday. <laughs> I hope that didn't mean like get you too excited. Like <laughs> that I was like telling you about this opportunity on your birthday. He goes, I, I swear. It doesn't mean it may mean nothing. I just wanted to let you know. He's like, don't look into it. Don't read into it too much. I just, I, I loved that. He thought he's like, oh shit. He goes, I did all this on his birthday. He's going to think he's getting signed and going to WrestleMania tomorrow. Um, a, a, another feather in the Norman Smiley being yes. a great freaking human being book. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just, just covering his bases, being a good guy. Um, but sure enough, like about two weeks later, I got an email from their head of talent relations at the time. And just to show you that the, this was still, this was 2012 or 2011 WWE. We're not, we're not in the territory days, all this. You would think pretty professional organization, right? The publicly traded company, all this. (laughs) So their head of talent relations when scouting a talent, I don't get some big email with like, you know, like, all right, we, well, we've been talking with certain people. We would like to hear more from you and like submit some clips and pictures and things to us. The email from the head of WWE talent scouting and relations was, Hey Matt, what's up? Ty. <laughs> no, no, not even, not even like a signature with like email phone number. It was just like Ty Bailey. And I saw that it was like at WWE Corp email. It was like, how do he just says, what's up? How do I, I'm like, do I reply with like a heavy handed, like, hi, I'm so-and-so I wrestle here. Here's my pick. Or do I keep it chill? And like, is it like, it's like dating. It's like, right. do I don't want to be too eager. And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool, man. How are you? Like, so I kind of, I tried to like straddle the middle ground. I was like, no, nah, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the email. Uh, I've been, I think it was just like, I've been wrestling here. And like, I, I guess sent like one match to him. And, uh, Oh my God. Then he was just like, cool. We might be in touch uh, over in the next few weeks. And it was like, okay. And then I didn't hear anything from him. Oh my God. Okay. It's so similar. I, I, I get emails all the time that I don't know the person. And it's just like, Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing? June 18th. You're like, I, uh, uh, what's up, man? Well, yeah. Uh, why can you explain a little bit more yeah yeah context uh you, you know that's a power thing that's a complete uh unarming like like i'm not going to tell you why i'm calling i'm going to let your imagination do all of the oh, heavy yeah. lifting on on any mental gymnast i don't have to i don't have to do anything to get you in the boat all i've got to do yeah. is go yo what you doing june 18th and i'm like yeah. i'm in the boat i'm in the boat hit me in the head with an oar exactly so like i said i responded to his email to try to keep it as chill but like still kind of putting my stuff out there and he said all right we might he said something about like maybe we'll be like we might be in touch didn't hear anything for like two weeks and then i remember i specifically remember i got home i was personal training i I was like super early like up at four first client at five and I, I, I would be done by like 11 a.m. or something like that. And I came home dead to, ready to take my like afternoon nap. <laughs> and I get a phone call. And if you talk to anybody from WWE, you get a two, it's the infamous 203 call. Cause that's Stanford's uh, area code, Stanford, Connecticut. So it's either it's when you're working there, you don't want to get those calls. <laughs> but before you work there, you do want to get them uh, for exact opposite reasons. Right. So, uh, I get this phone call. I was like, huh? I'm like, and I think I vaguely remember recognizing the area code. I was like, oh, shoot, I think I know. And I answered, and sure enough, it, it, this wasn't the guy who emailed me, but it was John Laurinaitis. Oh. Who many people, and this is the funny thing was, so I knew who he was from just like being on the insides and knowing who's hiring and everything. But it was also, I think he was in the middle of his like Johnny whatever, what was his Johnny time or 2012. Right, right, right. But he was on TV as like the authority figure. Like, uh, 
I'm Triple H's guy, power of positivity or whatever right, his right, thing right, was right. at the time. And so, like, I recognize his voice. The the dude didn't even like let me say hi. Like he was in business mode. He let I was like, hello. He's like, hey, I've had the show, Lord. I so this is what we're gonna do. It looks like we're gonna offer you a developmental opportunity with the this. We'll start here at this date for this amount of money. You move to Tampa. You'll get all the details from my secretary. Good to meet you. Click. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the rest and then was I got a follow up email, and three four months later, I moved to Tampa. That's insane, man. So, so, so good Lord. That's another, that's just like a, I know you want this. We don't even have to debate back and forth. Here's what we're yep. doing. Let's do it. Yep. Or, or yeah. you're going to do it. I'll see you in a couple yeah, didn't, weeks. Yeah. It didn't even give me like the opportunity to say like, no, what, what just, I, I often think about like, what if in the off chance I would have just been like, nah, I don't think, I don't think this opportunity will work for me. I appreciate it. Whatever. Didn't even give me the chance. Just like, all right. Here's the deal. We're offering you this. We'll see you in a couple months. Talk to my secretary for the details. Right, Bye. right. If, if, if you don't want it, tell Cheryl. Yeah, essentially. Good Lord, man. That is that. Oh, my God. You must have been on cloud nine. Like, that must have been like the best day ever. I literally did two laps around my house. Like, I was, I was living with my parents at the time. I, I moved after college. I moved back in with them for like uh, for a year. And I just literally, nobody else was home. It was the middle of the day. I just literally <laughs> ran uh, two laps around my house screaming. That's amazing. And, and, and so once you get there and you go through their initial, uh, uh, I assume it's got to be like a boot camp. But, but I've always, when they're coming up with your idea for a character, how many awful things did you hear before you got to what stuck? Like, like, like zero. They, really? This is one thing. And it might be, it may have been the luck of the time being there. Right. It may have been, you know, like at the, that was a time where they were just being a little bit more open and all this stuff. Cause you, you, you hear, or maybe it was just the fact that like I came to them with ideas. Right. You were ready. And a lot of, maybe a lot of a lot of guys don't. There's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a good wrestler. Right. I'm a big guy. I'm strong. Uh, I'm a badass. There's a lot of, you wouldn't believe how many people are just like, can I just be like Stone Cold? Can I just give middle fingers and like beat people up? And it's like, no, we had that guy already. <laughs> you, oh can, you can't. So that, so for me, like they were very, I will say Dusty Rose was kind of running the creative. Oh. But so obviously an incredible chance to learn under him and just, so we would do, we would just do promos. The way, the kind of creative process down there at the time was just every Wednesday morning was promo day. And they would just set up a curtain in the ring and everybody would just hang out and everybody has, you. all right, cut your promo for the week. And Dusty would tell you if it was good or if it sucked or if, and so it was. You would get notes. You would get notes from Dusty yeah. Rhodes. Yep, 110%. Living here, baby. I don't think that that's going to go down, Jack. Like, like he would just. Uh, yeah. My one time to impress somebody with a Dusty Rhodes impersonation, and it falls fucking flat immediately. God bless America. But but no, that's no. amazing. Dude, everybody, everybody's got one though. That's oh, like dude, everybody's dude. got a dusty impression. Everybody's oh. got a dusty. Everybody's got a Hogan. Everybody's got a savage. I only know two or three people that can do a good flare, but a good oh, flare yeah. is the freaking greatest thing in the world if you can pull it off. Oh yeah. There, there's something he, he's got this quality. Yeah. It's like everybody knows the phrases, everybody knows like the shit he says, but like there's this certain like this is weird, like 
high, but he has this weird high, but low kind of voice at the same time. It's, and he goes up like he'll, he'll, he'll do it and then he'll raise it. But when he raises it, he somehow doesn't the bass in his voice remains. So he's yelling, but a baritone Sean Spears, Sean Spears has a surprisingly good flair. Really? Yeah. Obviously, we all know like Jay Lethal has an incredible one. Of course. But like, yeah, but Spears has a has a surprisingly good one. That's awesome. And uh, yeah. I've heard he's a super, super nice guy. Uh, my favorite opponent of all time. Uh, uh, so you guys, yeah, he, he he's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. I, he's doing some super fun stuff right now with what they're giving him in AEW. Uh, so, so you came up with the, the, was your first character. See, see my introduction to you was already on television. So I, I met you as the VOD villains or the VOD, the, I think I said that correct. VOD villains. Yep. VOD villains. Yes. So that was your brainchild or that was you working with them to come up with something. So before that, prior to that, I had come up with the Drama King character. Okay. What the the artiste, the thespian kind of character, because I just pulled from my background. Right. And um, that's what I, I remember coming to developmental with the, the idea. I'm like, one, nobody's going to want it again. Because I'm like, everybody's going to want to be this badass, right? right? I'm like, that's all. Every wrestler wants to wear black trunks and beat people up and do power bombs. I'm like... I'm going to go, I'm going to try. I know there's people who've done this, but I'm like, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to be the hoity toity. I'm going to be, I don't want to wrestle. And I'm like, I'm going to, plus I was also going to try to do the thing. I'm like, everybody was pissed at the time. Rock had left for Hollywood and like people loved the rock, but they were also still kind of like, we wish you were here. Right. Cena was starting to do the same thing. And people were starting to be like, Oh, come on. Everybody just uses WWE. Like they did with the minute they get fame, they're going to leave. Launch board. So I, I wanted to come in with the character of like, I'm just using this as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. I don't need pro wrestling. I don't need your right. sports centered. But I was just going to use, instead of Hollywood, I was going to use Broadway as my, like, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone to, to Broadway. And, um, which is such a wonderfully pompous scenario. Like, like, like oh, yeah. gr- a great way to people like, the general viewer will respect Hollywood, but you're saying Broadway, like, like yeah. what a, what a pretentious uh, avenue to go <laughs> after the audience with. And, and then also like, if you're, if you're, so if, if you're someone who, who's kind of all in on the show, yeah, I'm just, ah, oh, this guy's a douche. But then if, it, if you're someone who's also kind of what I like to do things too, for people who are like, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. They're in, they're in on pro wrestling. They know all of them. What a preposterous notion though. The idea of like that people in Broadway in, in, and off and you would look at like pro wrestling for a guy to star in Othello or right. something like that. It, it's so ridiculous. Like this guy's an idiot. If he thinks that friggin' WWE is going to get him into, yeah. you know, the next Shakespeare's play or the next revival of, you know, Les Mis or something. Lynn Manuel's watching Raw. Yeah, yeah. I found my Hamilton. What he does though, and weird sidebar, the one time I wasn't backstage at a pay-per-view, Lynn Manuel Miranda, it was in New York in the Barclays Center. He was backstage hanging out with everybody oh. in catering. And I wasn't on that show. And then I came I came in the next day for like Raw or something. I was like, is he coming back tonight? They're like, No, he's not. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I'm like the one person, all these. 
rappers and baseball players who I don't give a shit about. No, <laughs> no offense to them. I just don't care about like sports and pop music. They're always hanging out backstage and everything like that. The one time the somebody drama like king that could meet the drama king. Yes. And I, oh and I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how it works though? Of like, course. like that's, that's it. It's a, it's almost a better story that you didn't get to meet. Right. hundred percent. Uh, and, and and then once you were on TV, like you do the tag team and I thought the tag team was over. Like, I mean, you guys were on television every freaking week. Like people uh, hated you guys. Like, 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 I mean, you were doing your job. They, I mean, so like in NXT, they actually kind of loved us, which is weird that we were really? this weird little, oh yeah. Um we came onto the scene as heels and it was hard to stay heels. And cause we were that NXT audience at that time in like 2015, 2016 uh, or 2014, 2015, they just, they loved unique shit. They, they, that was one of the draws. It was not your everyday wrestling. It was like, we had these wild, colorful characters, these weirdos, like totally different than what you would see on raw or SmackDown. Right. And so like we came out with this like old old timey entrance and like the yep. carnival barker and the black and white and people were like what is this this is weird I love it. And so we had a hard time being bad guys and I specifically remember actually we like we did a little run when we first came in like we were pretty good like went for the titles didn't win and then we kind of were like cycled off TV for a little bit but we were still working like house shows for NXT. And right. we were getting really over. And like, we, we kind of had talked to like the coaches and stuff. We're like, hey, can we kind of start working babyface? Because like the audience keeps cheering for us. And they're like, sure. Like, so like on these house shows and stuff, we were working babyface. And so then they brought us kind of back onto TV and NXT. And I guess we didn't confirm or anything. So we're like, all right, like, we've been working babyface. We're kind of coming back to TV. Let's go out there and be babyfaces. And we were just doing like a what we call a squash match or an enhancement match. We had, we're against some local talent, but we treated it like baby faces were like, they beat me up for a little bit. Like I tagged Simon big comeback. Yay. Baby faces win. And we came backstage and we looked to like, what the hell was that? And we're like, what? Like for this is also, we didn't know if we had any story going forward or anything too. We're like, we're like we got, we've been working baby face for the last like three months. Like you guys just booked it. We figured they're like, yeah, you're still heels. We're like, what? They're like, yeah. They're like, you need to go out there and do that match again and be heels. Oh, We're like, oh man. So they same waited crowd. like two or th two or three matches, same crowd, oh. sent us back out there. I think either the same or different opponents, but we just had to turn the roles around and beat them up and be mean and stuff like that and be right. heels. And, um, Regal ended up like crazy because that was good. It was a good way. You, 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 you didn't, you know, you didn't fight us. You didn't pout about it. You know, they appreciate you doing that, but it was just wild to me. I'm like, Oh, so like there was like no communication on like what we were, but sure enough, like um, two weeks after that, they were like, Oh yeah, you guys are getting a really good reaction. You're going to be baby faces going into this feud. And then that's when we ended up winning the NXT tag team titles. Well, you got to let them think it's their idea, right? Yes. Exactly. It can't be your idea. Yeah, exactly. It, it's how hard is it sometimes because you're a performer, you can read a crowd uh, when you know what the crowd is wanting. Like that, that instance you just spoke about, like you thought you were doing 
what you needed to do. And then immediately after you get uh, through the curtain, you were supposed to do the other thing. Like, like, like it's. That was almost the entire existence of Rusev Day. You want really? to say that? Or that oh was my pretty God. much the. Oh my God. Root, you guys, I thought that was it, man. I thought you and Rusev were going straight to the freaking main event. Whenever you have an entire auditorium, an entire coliseum of people doing your gimmick, that's you're over, man. And 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 and, and I, I know he's been very vocal about it. It was almost like the crowd's reaction wasn't matching the office's plan, and instead of listening. And and one thing I'll give um, uh, uh, other bookers, they listen. Like uh, uh, Jericho was talking about the whole sports entertainer thing. He heard somebody say it randomly. I know he's not a booker, but he, he, he listens is the point. He heard somebody randomly say sports entertainer and get heat for it. And he's like, boom, I'm going to dig my heels down on that. You know, uh, you guys were going through the freaking moon. They should have put their ear. They should have Hogan. They should have Hogan and listened to the crowd. And freaking uh, catapulted you guys. Yeah, that it was. It was it's weird because it's, it's like the best, the best time of my career. Uh, one of the best times for sure, um, but also one of the most frustrating because we just it was mind blowing. It's it's that's the, so, and that's where we talk about Vince being stubborn. That's where it comes back into play. Is it's like they're all for when things take off when it's for someone they want them to take off for, or like right. they have some idea or some plans for, but especially with Rusev. And I guess I, this is mostly my gut at that point because Vince loved the Bulgarian brute, the Russian bat. The, he loved the foreign heel, all the things it's old school WWF, right? I think he just saw that in Rusev and he loved it. And just big dude, the brain would not move on from that. Yeah. And it, even when everyone was cheering us and like, we were getting weird, small little opportunities to like, that's what my favorite thing about it. What Rus and it's kind of what I tell everyone, what does Rusev day be do? And like, what were we celebrating? I'm like, for us, the holiday was us celebrating like breaking out of the boxes we had been painted into. Right. I right. had just been a, the, the, the singing guy and I was still doing singing, but I, I was just that guy. I was just like this cartoon character and he was just the foreign bad guy. And now we were both getting to like be kind of a little bit more fully fleshed people. We were just like dudes and like having fun and making jokes, but then also having good matches and like entertaining. Like we were being full 360 characters and I think the the boss man just I think was nope that's not what I want for Rusev he's not a good guy he's the big mean bad guy and just wouldn't because there were multiple opportunities where I, like I had New Day like being like dude like they were like take the championships off of us they were right, like we right. like it would be such a good moment such a good story you guys are there you're at you're at that peak and the the office just didn't want it but you were able to do that thing where you take the pop and grow it into full fleshed out characters. Like, like you guys went from it's Rusev day to like, you just said you were doing back and forth. You were showing that you were like a fully dimensional people. And in my mind, that's what's always made the best characters on TV because now you can go anywhere with that. 
You can go back to bad guy. You can stay good guy. There's there's ebb and flow. There's shades of gray. It's not so black and white, baby heel. 100%. And any, anytime you can root things more into yourself and into, into something real like that, Right. And and show people more a more fleshed out thing. Then yeah, then your avenues are much wider, much wider because you can you can take that and you can meld that to anything. As opposed to when you're just something very black and white, you can you can only be this. It's yeah. very binary, yeah. right? You either only this or you're only this. Whereas when you are that more fleshed out character, you can kind of go in any direction. And 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 that's sort of where I guess in stand up they want that. Like in wrestling, I understand they have a whole show that they're doing and they've got this and they need that for this and that where, where stand up, it's only kill. It's only go out there and murder. Like, like if you've got 10 people that go out and do the same, it can be the same thing because we don't all have the same jokes, you know, but if you go out there and just slay, 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 the show's even better where, where in, in his vantage point, we've already got somebody doing this thing we need you guys to do that thing and he just couldn't get past that a little bit that's freaking unfortunate and 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 then uh uh you 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 got that call the the other call the one you don't want from connecticut and that was like right in the middle of a pandemic right like that was oh right at the beginning yep right at the start when the world was shut down yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and 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 then from there but but you've done so well since then. Like you have, uh, uh, some people let it define them. You have not let that moment define you. You've gone like the other way, and, and you've now branched out into other avenues, which is which makes you more marketable. Like you can now go out and do multiple things. And 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 had you and that's what led you to whiskey. Like had you always been. Uh, a whiskey guy? Had you always like? Oh, oh yeah, no that 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 was that started a long time. That was well before. And that was I, I started doing wrestling with whiskey in twenty seventeen, something right. like that. Um, so no, I got into that years ago just because I was looking for something though because my life was so consumed with wrestling. I was looking for something to get into outside of that, and I was also I always just tell people I'm like I was looking to drink like an adult, right? Because right. I don't know. I didn't go out a whole lot. So like, I wasn't like a sh- pounding shots guy. No. I wasn't like a, a four loco guy, even no, though I've had no. one or two, I've had one or two, but um, <laughs> I, just, I wasn't that guy. And I was like, okay. And so I always tell people this. I was like, originally, because I lived on my own before this, before I met my wife and everything. And I was like, I don't want to go out and party, but I'm like, I like the idea of like having a drink. In, like, like I said, in an adult fashion, my dad, who was always a big scotch drinker, would just sip on a, a glass of scotch. I'm like, so my first idea was cocktails. I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to make some nice up, upscale cocktails in my own apartment. Right. So like I got all the ingredients, I got bitters and I got vermouth and I got, I got garnishes and all this stuff. And like, I made like my first, I made probably some Tom Collins, like, or whatever, something really basic. But then I remember like within a week, like my garnishes, because I was by myself making right. drinks for one. My garnishes right. had all gone bad. Like I sliced up lemons and orange and everything. And like they were all like dried out and like spoiled. My, my vermouth, I made like one Manhattan and then it spoiled <laughs> because like I didn't know to put it in the fridge and right, all this right. stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is, so, I'm like, I'm not having parties. Again, I'm not entertaining. So I'm like, maybe like fresh 
craft cocktails each night. It may not, may not work for me. So I'm like, you know, what's easier just drinking the stuff straight up. Let's try that. Yep. That's it. That seems mature too. And so I just, I slowly got myself to, uh, drink, drink whiskey neat. And then that same, just like I did with wrestling when I was 12, I discovered it took via you. the internet podcasts and yeah, the Facebook groups and all, all that stuff and the collecting and the trading and all that. I was like, Whoa, there's like a whole eco. It's like Trekkies yeah. but for whiskey. Like there's a whole like subculture here. It, it, it's like the same. It, it's that parallel to the wrestling world. Like there's a whole avenue of super yep. fans out there. And they've built a community. I just said that 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 is like one of my things for I'm like this internet age is like, dude, there's a niche for everything. Oh yeah, like yeah. that's the one thing. As nutty as social media and the internet can be, I'm like, you can find your people and any any little stupid thing that you do or collect or are passionate about that you think you're alone in. Trust me, there's a community of people who obsess about whatever it is as much as you do, and they like to geek out over it as much as you do. Yeah. So, you know, uh, go out there and find them because like, there's so many like big little communities, as if, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And it's, it's, it's very different than the way I think we grew up where like uh, I used to have the joke that if I, I, I didn't want to be a young grandparent, so I was just going to make sure that my son loved Batman and Star Wars. Because that kept me from getting laid in high school. But that's not the case anymore. That's not the case. You can oh, no. go out and find a whole freaking uh, uh, avenue of cosplay people who are, uh, you know, that's not. There are keep- dating sites just for like nerds or yeah. for like nerd yeah, yeah, culture yeah, yeah, yeah. or for comic book culture or whatever. Oh, yeah. Just bizarre. <laughs> but, but that's also great because you, you, you remember. Uh, yeah everybody's had a moment in their life where they felt like alone. You know, that, that's one good thing about social media is that you don't really have that anymore. If, if, if you love watching paint dry, there's a thousand other people that love watching paint dry and they probably also sure. love GoBots. <laughs> True. So you, you get into whiskey and, and now you kind of have multiple avenues of things going like, like what, what all do you have uh, going like, and, and, Jesus. And you're also, you are an extended member of the Guerrero family. Like you're kind of living the awesome life right now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. Like we're, uh, there's a lot more I love about being, like I said, like out here. So having spent almost 10 years with WWE, really like from developmental through, uh, through my final day there, it was about eight, just over eight years. And uh, so that was like my entire like adult and professional life, really. So like I had I had a lot to like learn, and it was also hard because like again I I always tell people this, and like it would have even been even easier, or just would have been totally more okay if it had been let go at any other time in history. Right. Right. You know what I I I I, I say that if you get hired by WWE, or to be fair, any major professional wrestling company it's entertainment especially wrestling it's fake like you better be ready to expect that call at you know day one like whatever you're if you get a year great enjoy the year if you get two years great if you get 10 years great if you're a lifer amazing but we're, we're all ready for that call so like any other year you drop you get the call, damn, you spend a day drinking uh, your best whiskey. And, uh, but then that weekend you 
you start getting booked on independent shows and conventions and signings and all that. It just happened. I just remember that at that time, none of that existed. Right. Right. For like six months until people yeah. kind of started creeping back out of the darkness again. So that was the hardest thing. So like I had, I was forced to just be like, not only just do things with my time, but like looking for just things to do, you know, and make an income with. But since then, it, a lot of things have opened up. So, I mean, everything I'm doing, I do wrestling with whiskey. That's all just fun stuff. Um, reviews. I, I do TikToks. Okay. Oh my God. I sound like such an old man. I do. I do occasional <laughs> TikToks. But it looks um, like you're having fun with it. I, I, oh, I, I, that's the one thing I'm trying to do though. Is like, there's a lot of other things that I've tried to like hustle and make into, into a gig and into kind of a, a, a job or like a little side hustle. Right. And I tried that briefly with whiskey and I think it kind of just pissed me off because like <laughs> I didn't, I was looking at numbers and like, Oh, viewership on this video and all this stuff. And like, I think when I started obsessing about that too much, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I, I love, I love this. I don't, I don't want this to share. I'm like, I, the whole reason I started doing this, cause it was just, like, I had so much fun learning fun. about it and sharing it. Yep. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to post what I like when I like, um, when I, when I, you know, it's going to be more, it's less about like trying to make some huge YouTube video or like, yeah. I'm just going to do it for the love of it. So that, that made, that brought me back to doing it a lot of joy, but I stopped I, caring about what people thought. Like, like once you get those, I think hate mail makes you stop worrying about what people, uh, what people think. And I don't mean that in a bad way because that means they care. Like, like uh-huh. them caring means more. Then you th- like, I, I, I love that anybody is passionate about whiskey. I love that anybody is so passionate that they are listening to what we're talking about and feeling anything. I think yeah. that is the goal of any performer is to make people feel something. Yes. So if I say, if my Dusty Rhodes impersonation didn't get you there, that made you feel something. Let's work with that. Let's push that forward. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I take everything as a compliment, even the things that are so not compliments. <laughs> what? I mean, how do you think working in wrestling, having to be a heel? Oh my God. You how do you, you're working for that negative reaction, dude. And then how do you live your daily life? Like, like, like I've had people come up. I've got jokes about my kids that people will find me in a grocery store and recite back to me with my kids present. And I'm like, you know, that's not real. Like, like yeah. if, if how many times have you been Rusev dayed? Oh, so I was going to say, luckily, mo- I would say most, not all, but most fans, they, un- they, un- they know it's a show. So like when they see me, but nobody's like, you beat up that guy. Right. Screw you. Like, I don't get that. But you want to tell me like Rusev? Day? Oh my God. Um, during the height of it, like with WWE, like every, every freaking day, every week, any, anytime we showed it up at an airport or a building, occasionally at restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Everywhere. It still happens. Like if I go to like an independent show or like at impact, sometimes yeah. I still get it like uh, from somebody in the crowd or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So still, but that shows you, you had, I mean, that, that thing that, that, yep. that could still be going like that. You guys had years that you could have run with that. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Hands down. I remember I was watching um, an interview way back when, because you remember how big the Hogan heel turn was 
uh, it, 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 you know, for our generation, it had never been done before. And he was like, people were cussing me out in front of my kids at restaurants. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I guess that's, that's part of the gig, right? Like when people come up to you afterwards and think that, you know, you are the heel, like, like, do you sell it or do you kind of like, all right, I mean, I'm eating dinner now. Give me a minute. No, yeah. So like I said, in, in the 2010 beyond era, I, I'm, I have not personally outside of a couple of people on social media, but like in, in, in person, I've never had somebody who literally thought I was the bad guy who was doing the shitty thing. Right. Who beat up their hero. Most people are like, Hey, like good job tonight. Or like, Hey, I liked your match here. Even if I was the bad guy. Um, so the audience has been smartened up a little bit. Most of them. That's what I'm saying. So like in 94, 95, there was still a good chunk of people who were like, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and so nowadays, nowadays they, they do. Um, and I, I, I joke sometimes I'm like some, the only way to get real heat is because everybody's in on it now. Right now. Like the only way to get real heat is to convince someone that you're bad at your job, <laughs> that you're not a good wrestler. Like <laughs> saying, because if you, if you talk really good shit, Right. Oh, that's awesome. That guy's such a badass. He just told the the, the big the top baby business in the company to F off. Like, that's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, he hit him with a baseball bat from behind. What a badass. That guy's awesome. People love that stuff. They love yeah, a badass. Yeah. They love the guy taking a cheap shot because it's hardcore. It's awesome. So um it's one of the people I love is the Miz. Oh, yeah, completely. The Miz is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. Yes, like, agreed. Like I watched him. I watched him an entire nineteen days European tour, like wrestle Dolph Ziggler every night, Intercontinental Title, and they had a good pro wrestling match. And whether some of it's just by happenstance and the way he works, and other of it's by design, and I think it's a combination of both. Miz has though convinced the world that he's still this soft reality star who doesn't doesn't care, you know, or whatever kind of doesn't care about wrestling in the way like people still buy that about him and they don't like him for it, even though he's so good at pro wrestling and everything and everything in between that comes along with it. But a testament to that character that he's been able to walk that line so well for so long. Like if you, if you watch the Miz today, he's just as believable in that character as he was when he was perfecting it. Like, like yeah. it's, it, there's no dust on that thing. Like it's just as entertaining now as it was. And if people yes. don't like that, it's working. Like, like if the equation is set up in his benefit because, oh, you're getting tired of it. That means it's working. Oh, you, you, you dislike it. That means it's working. Oh, you like it. That means it's working. He set up that tic-tac-toe board where no matter where he puts an X, he wins. Yep. So, so what's next for you? What, what do you have coming up? So, I mean, for me, it's just, so I have um, the lead color commentator for Impact Wrestling along with uh, awesome. Tom Hannafin's doing play-by-play. I'm also very fortunate to do a lot of work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, they're expanding, they're doing a big expansion into the U.S. with their New Japan Strong Show. Uh, just had a show here in Chicago, Windy City Riot. Wild card. I got to call that with Kevin Kelly. So like I'm doing a couple, I'm doing several more dates for them. My go, my big goal right now 
is to, I'm leaning heavily into the broadcast thing because one, I'm not 25 anymore. Right. And two, I like to talk and it keep, keeps me uh, in part you of the wrestling. And I really love doing it. I really have fallen in love with it. And there's such an art to it. Yes. Uh, uh, Absolutely. At the beginning of this, I told you I've done it twice now. And the, it's not easy at all. You have to keep up. You have to sell who you're supposed to sell. And you have to be a play-by-play man, like, like storylines, characters, and move sets mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot. And then like, if you're, and then you add in, if you're doing it, like when you do it for like a TV company, you have to have people in your ear telling you, like, if you're going to commercial break, you're like, oh, hey, you need to say this. We, we need you to put over like, um, put over this, this on ticket on sale date. Go right, now. Right, right, right. So uh, then you have to have your notes ready to be like, all right, hey, tickets are on sale July 19th at impactwrestling.com for rebellion. You got to be able to whip that out at a moment's notice because they're telling you in your ear. Snickers. And, Say uh, Snickers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsors, things like that. But um, that's why it's always helpful if you do have a, at least a two man boot so you can kind of bounce things off each other and stuff like that. So it's it's totally. it's one of those things. It's it's a tough thing to master, but I but I really, really love that. And um between that, it's fun though. Yeah, it still tickles the creative nerve. Oh yeah, and you're part of the show, and that that that's one of the things I love. And I don't have to take bumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Well, that was the um, my son. He came to a he came to the last show, and he's like, "Are they going to put you through a table?" And I was like, "Why do you want that? Why do you want to <laughs> see me go through a table?" And no, no, they're not. Yeah. The most active thing I've done in years is, is, is walking, standing up. That's what I do. I stand up and no, they're not putting me through a table. <laughs> then of course I talk to the guy and he's like, we'll put you through a table. If you want to get put through a table. And I'm like, we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. maybe." <laughs> uh, it was super cool. Cause I'm look, I'm outside looking in, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're in it. That, that, that's your realm. That's your layer. Uh, but it meant so much because the guy came, one of the, one of the, uh, the wrestlers, one of the, he came up to me after the show and he was like, I normally hate live play by play because they go into business for themselves and they spend more times trying to get themselves over than get the boys over. And you spent every word you said trying to get us over and in getting us over, you got yourself over. And I was like, dear God, that was like, that, that's the best compliment you could have possibly paid me. That that's literally all I wanted to do was you guys look like fucking fire. And that's exactly what it, and there's a lot of people. And I I find it's less from people, new people coming in and with, without trying to sound too salty or whatever, I find it more often than not, it's people who have been in the business who are then do start doing commentary. If they've been in the ring, because a lot of the time they'll try to carry over a gimmick or a catchphrase or their jokes. You know, there's a lot, there's a couple of commentators. Again, I won't name names, but like, it, it's all I hear. I'm like, you're just, you're popping yourself. You're getting right. yourself over. You're having a laugh. And sometimes a little thing here or there can be entertaining to the audience at home. Like, ha, ah, he's doing his thing. But yeah, this job at the end of the day is about telling the stories of the people in that ring, getting yes. them over. And if you do that, then you're awesome. That's all you need to know. And, and that's what you're, and that's, that's what you're there for. That's your, you're your job. there to narrate the awesomeness 
that people have tuned in to see. You're the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> I also say this often too, because I'm like, you're the bass. I know I say this as a bass player. So bass players don't get pissed at me. I was a bass player for no, years. I get, it. I get it. So, and I always tell people, I'm like, growing up watching TV wrestling and you go to your first live show, it's like, it's awesome because you're there. It's energy. But there is a, it is a little weird. It's like, it's, it's like the band without the bass player where it's yeah. like the, the, the lead singer and the lead guitarist, they're the star of the show, right? They're shredding and singing. Those are the wrestlers. That's what we're here for. That's what brought us into the building, the star power, the stuff they're doing. <laughs> but that bass player in the back, it's like, it's all that it's always humming there. But if you take it away, it sounds a little weird. Doesn't sound it's as not going to, it's not going to kill it. Like the, Hey, we still got the main, we still got the star attraction here. But like, it's just gonna it's gonna round it out. It's gonna complete the package with that, that you need there. That's perfectly so. put. That's absolutely perfectly put. It it needs all of the things to go mm-hmm. to to be cohesive. Yeah, like, like to be the full package. Yeah, you if you if you have a pie and you don't put a top on it, you don't have a pie. You have a croissant. So it's it's right. like you need those pieces. Uh, yes. A Danish, I mean. Um, and you got some of some people, they'll bring them in. Like, like one of the worst things is when somebody that's feuding with someone else will come down and they'll do commentary for the match. Like when that person's not good at it, it's so obvious that that person's not good at it because they're sitting next to two people that are very good at it. And then it's like, yeah, he's, he's doing, he's in there. I don't like him, but yeah, he's in. And the, yeah. Like they, they don't, you can tell they don't sound needed. They just sound added. And that's what like, you gotta, you gotta be pick and choose when you do like, Oh, who the guest commentator mm-hmm. is. And like, cause if they, if they're not someone who's ready, like ready to kind of come out here and cause even if it throws our game off a little bit, like I'd rather you if, in those scenarios, you be out of, you cut a 10 minute promo. Even if it means we have to just kind of like interject like, Oh shoot pinfall. He's covering him right there. This is your, that this moment, this little section of our show is about you talking shit about that guy in the ring. So go, we'll set you up with questions. Hey, what did you think about what he did last week? What do you think of, oh shoot, he just did that move. What if that happens on Sunday? You know, we'll set him up with the, but if you can just sound off, because the worst thing is when it's like, all right, there's this title feud. He's going to be on guest commentary. And it's like, "Um, so Joe, how do you feel about, you know, Steve in the ring? Like you said, I don't know, man. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like, you you gave me nothing. Uh, DDT, okay, okay. Uh, well, yeah, what if that what if that happens at the pay-per-view? It's like they forget they're in character. Yeah, it's like what what would it be? What if we give you a mic in the ring? Just do that. Just yeah. do the same yeah, thing yeah, you yeah, would yeah. do there, but just do it with a headset. <laughs> just do the thing pushing forward the storyline that you're in, and I'll take care of the rest of it. Like, like yeah. I'll I'll make you look good if you let yourself look good. Yeah. You got to bring, you got to bring it in those things. Cause yeah, I think a lot of people either expect like 50 questions, like, what do you want to do with this? How do you feel about that? What are you going to do with this? What do you, and it's like, no, like again, we'll set you up for things if you need it, but like you just come out here and talk shit. That's your, that's your job is to come out and talk what you need to talk about. And this is a chance for you to get your personality over. So right. like a lot of people just don't, yeah, they just don't take advantage of that. This is them getting to know you in a capacity outside of promo and outside of in-ring. Yes. Uh, you, you, you'll see a lot of that with late night TV. Like 
now's a little different because it's so segment based. But back in the day, if you were going to get Letterman, Letterman wanted you to be engaging on the couch too. Like it wasn't just go up and do your type five. It was do your type five and then have more that didn't sound like stand up. Like you still had to do stand up. You just had to do it in like a ask me about my day. Oh, and that's what you're doing. Like when I ask yeah. you about Sunday, you act like um, uh, freaking uh, Bill Burr when Conan would ask him, how's your wife back home? You treat it exactly yeah. the same. It's like, here's more entertainment from the character that I was a minute ago, only it's a little different. It's a little step to the left. And I couldn't tell you how many people I heard back like WWE who would get extra, like, I don't know, who would get opportunities and over because they did guest commentary. Because again, normally when you get like a promo, you're scripted to like a tight, like you said, like a couple minutes, something like that, especially if you're not like a known quantity. Right. But when you you get the guest commentary spot, it is gold. Because usually, you know, matches, unless it's a certain like, you know, a squash match, it's going to be five, six, seven, eight minutes, maybe 10, maybe 15. And if you're on the guest commentary spot, that's a 15 minute promo. And it's, it's as much you as you want it. That is a golden opportunity. I'm like, I've, I've, I couldn't tell you how many people were like, wow, I didn't know he could talk. Right. Right. We, do, we just, we just put him on there. Cause like, Oh, he's in a feud with so-and-so. So we'll throw him out there, but man, he's really, he's funny or he's entertaining. He's engaging. Let's give him the microphone more often. And then all of a sudden they're getting more over cause they're getting more opportunities to speak. I'm like, that guest count, it's not, yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's it's often written off as just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit here and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, that is a golden opportunity, especially if you're on one of these TV companies. Oh, com- yes, a thousand percent. And, 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 and anytime you have public focus, don't waste it. If the cameras are on, you're on. That was a dusty road sitting then when the red light's on, baby. Like, make the most, maximize your minutes. I'm that not falling for your trap, Matt. I'm not doing it again. Do it. I'm, not, I'm not going to. There we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, it's been so freaking good talking to you. Uh, oh, this is a blast. I, I, I enjoy talking to people that do interesting things. I hate boring and, and everything you've got going on. It's got so much freaking color to it, man. It's just so much fun to learn about. And, and there's a drama and a, uh, every, everything that's worth doing, you find out that as you peel the layers back, there's more and more pieces of it that you didn't know. And, and wrestling is so parallel to comedy that, that a lot of, and believe it or not, strippers, us and strippers, we have a lot of shit in common. It's a hustle, man. It's a grind. It's, yeah, absolutely. The hustle is real. And a thousand percent. That's what it comes back to. It's that hustle of no one's going to give this to you. You've got to be good and you've got to be ready because when they call, you need to perform. And if oh, yeah. you don't back of the line, Jack. Damn right. So I would love to talk more whiskey with you anytime you feel like coming on. This Please. has been an absolute blast. I ha- I thank you so much for having me. It was great. Well, you guys uh, go find him. Uh, oh, let us. What what are all of the places they can see you? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I always break it down. It's pretty simple. 
You look on any social media platform, look up for either Drama King Matt, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, um, TikTok, stuff like that, or on the vice side, uh, vice versa, Wrestling with Whiskey, same platforms, find me everywhere. So Drama King Matt, Wrestling with Whiskey, you'll find this mug. Perfect. Go look him up, everybody. Go follow him. Go, go. If you see him, if you can see him live, go see him live. It, yes. He's a phenomenal performer. And a, and a wonderful person to share a pour with. Damn right. Especially if you're buying. Hey, <laughs> thank you, Christopher. We will. <laughs> Damn right. Hope to see you soon, buddy. Have a great day.